What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a brand new episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. On this week's episode, we've got a mystery guest that will be revealed, and they've got a huge announcement for the community, the whole community, that is. We've also got a ton of spoilers that have come out in the last week for both Israel's Deliverance and GOC Phase 2 that we'll be releasing at Nationals, which is fast approaching. And we've got new incentives for signing up and pre-registering for Nationals. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it. Thanks for being here. Let's rock and roll. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Threshing Floor. This is your mystery guest, Jay Chambers, here with an exciting announcement um, that will be brought to you later in our broadcast. So that's right, guys. Jay Chambers is the mystery guest. So I don't know how many people would have guessed him with what I asked you to do, but it is going to be Jay, and he's got a big announcement for us. But before we do that, we're going to go through some recent news, tournament results here, and a whole slew of spoilers because it seems like it seems like the leadership team they're trying to get as much of the phase two spoilers out to us so we know what we're drafting and whatnot for nationals, but it's like they've come up and realized there's more content or more spoilers than they had paced themselves for. So it's like a full out blitz right now. So we've got a ton of spoilers, but first we'll go through recent news. We've got our friend Jaden with a new video, Lackey Grand Prix Round 1. This is the fourth iteration of the Grand Prix. He played JD, and it is Once Upon a Time in Redemption with Jaden. So he stole Tyler's title from a couple of weeks ago. So this is a impartial judgment, turbo, turn one deck. He's playing against JD. So... You guys can go and check that out. JD is using a Disciples build that is using demons as the backbone of the defense. And it's a it's a pretty good pretty good game so far. I haven't finished the episode with all the talking at the end, but I have watched the gameplay, so it was pretty good. Speaking of Tyler, he has a new video. It is the video that he mentioned that I would like a few weeks ago. And it is called King Noah, King Jeremiah. And it's tossing with protection and whatnot, but using a royal priesthood to make a non-king character in the Bible a king, which was, I don't want to say made popular, but it's what I was doing with King Noah last year. So that's where the idea came from. Then our third video source here this week, Rob M. Studios. He has a game versus Julio Negron of Wake em Up Ministries. And this is just a game using Rob's gold and crimson deck, which is the gold is primarily New Testament gold. And it's versus an angels and demon deck from Julio. So you can go check that out. And these are all videos that um, at this point beyond the Jaden video, I have not watched them yet. So I can't, I can't say exactly how good they are, but we know the standard that we're, we're used to here. We know Jay's Jay's watched all of them. <laughs> sure. 
But one thing I am thankful for is just this great boon of video content. I mean, Redemption went through a content drought for like the vast majority of this profoundly long time that I've been playing relative to my age. And so like this, this boon of Redemption content is just awesome. And I'm, I think we're really in a golden age right now. Yeah. How about that? We're in a golden age. So that will bring us to a little bit of tournament insight and we have the unofficial tournaments that are currently running that is the lackey grand prix number four and the zoom invitational number three so both of those are still ongoing and should be announcing new pairings pairings up on monday for the grand prix and zoom invitational later tonight there you go on day we're recording and see recording and then it coming out a couple of days later kind of throws off some of the timing of the way you would normally talk about this stuff so there's the time frame for the new pairing. So make sure you get your games in for those and continue to utilize those as resources to get yourself ready for tournaments. And some of those tournaments that happened last week, um, the only one that I have all of the results for is going to be the New Jersey tournament. But I'll go over the results for that. We've got Type 1 was won by Emmanuel Echevarria. And it seems like this is like the third tournament I've announced that he won. That's how you say his name. <laughs> Gotta love you, man. Had me, had me, I, I've been confused for ages now, like five years. <laughs> and I know that, that, that Emmanuel watches, so he's going to probably get, I hope he gets a kick out of this because it's all in good fun. But I mean, it's just one of those names where you look at it and you're like, how do you say it? <laughs> There's Steve at second. New Jersey State, this is awesome. I'll quit interrupting you now. So, type one, we've got Emmanuel Echevarria, Steve Levitron second, and Joe Robertson third. And this tournament, if you remember, was hosted at Steve Levitron's house. So, I want to thank him for hosting for these guys to be able to play the game. Type two was won by John Mikalesian, I believe is the way that Tyler told me is it's pronounced. That is the way that name is pronounced. Joe Roberts was second. There is no third listed, so maybe they only had two players for that category. Booster draft. We get to say his name as a winner again, coming in first, Emmanuel Echevarria. And then Katie Levitron came in second. And then Steve came in third. Over in sealed, Kevin McElrath came in first. And... Katie Levitron came in second and Steve came in third again. So sounds like a pattern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just couldn't get, get ahead there. And for upcoming tournaments, I want to kind of throw in my shameless plug since um, on June 24th and 25th, which is this upcoming Friday and Saturday, I'll be hosting the Midwest regional tournament at South Litchfield Baptist church here in the middle of Amish country in Litchfield, Michigan. Um, we'll begin playing at 4 p.m. Um, on Monday. That's that's my listed start time. We'll really probably be playing about 5. Um, we'll play sealed on Friday night. See, you don't normally have the host come on for these things. So, but uh, anyhow, um, that's sort of the schedule. And I also would like to announce that we will have our special um, special guest with us on at Midwest Regionals, Josh from Kansas, our reigning type one, two player national champion. Nice. Nice. And it is kind of just perfect timing that you were able to shout out your own tournament here. 
then also coming up and you know we haven't really listed out any locals or districts it's just been state and regionals so the only other state or regional that's happening this week is going to be the maryland state tournament and that's going to be hosted by our friend rob m from new york he's going down to maryland to host that tournament and that's going to be on saturday june 25th at bethlehem church in middle river maryland and until I guess last weekend when I realized that my kid had a piano recital program thing the Sunday after, so the 26th, I was planning on crashing that tournament and just randomly showing up. I had like looked at potential travel and whatnot, and I was I was all gung-ho, and I was going to go, and then I was like, no, wife's not going to let me because we realized the date of my kid's recital. So so you were going to crash Sorry, Rob's tournament, but not mine. Me, your OG, your homie. <laughs> but you already have a special guest. Yeah, but two special guests, man. <laughs> and see, this is, this is Chamber Brothers are greedy, man. It's all about the greed, <laughs> all about the greed. We'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, it was not, I was not able to make that happen. Sorry, guys. But hopefully you all enjoy your time at the tournaments this weekend. And, you know, if you guys want me to share the results, make sure you get them to me. I'm sure Rob's going to give me his results. So I'm mostly just talking to you, Jay. Oh, you'll get them. Just ask me for them so that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's going to bring us to our update that Nationals is 39 days away Can we from this that moment. It's so close. We can because there's a pre-registration deadline for getting some incentives that have been added. So Nationals, again, 39 days away, but it's actually 37 at the time that you guys are going to hear this podcast on Tuesday. So if you pre-register by Friday, July 15th, you will now receive free entry into your first side event. That's excluding Ironman, which we got to update about it in just a moment. I'm looking forward to talking about that. In addition, your name is also going to be entered into a drawing for a free box of Gospel of Christ Phase 2, which is sponsored by the sponsor of the podcast, Covenant Games, and that is going to be available when it's officially released. So you might not get it. I, I get, It just says when it is officially released. Although I think it's officially releasing at nationals, but I don't think the retailers will have access to those. It'll just be Rob selling, if I understand that correctly. So I think that's what that means is once Covenant Games receives stock from Cactus Game Design, then you will receive that box. I imagine that that's what that means. I, I don't know for sure either, though. Yeah. I just talked through it until I figured it out. Absolutely. Or, you know, and, uh, it's clear as mud. <laughs> absolutely. But just so everyone knows, you must pre-register by July the 15th and participate in at least one category at Nationals to be eligible to win. That is correct. So that's going to bring us to the update about the Ironman side event, and that's going to be sponsored by Your Turn Games. 
you want to run over run over this one, Jay? Absolutely. Um, Iron Man. For those of you who are listening who have never been to Nationals, Iron Man is a pickup game tournament where you play against other players participating in the Iron Man, and they cannot refuse your challenge if it is not during tournament hours. Um, you play a game, and then the winner receives one of his opponent's chip cards that will designate that they played a game. And so Your Turn Games' new owner, Andy Fish, who is just this marvelous, marvelous, wonderful human being who is um, about four hours south of me, and we've been working together to host the Indiana State Tournament on July the 16th. So there's another plug for you. Um, He has announced that the prizes for the Contender Deck Iron Man side event. Have you spoke previously about Contender Deck Iron Man? I have mentioned it, yes. Okay, so we know what, so, so, so our wonderful um, listenership knows what this event entails. So Andy has offered very generous prize support. Um, he's going to give away Your Turn Games gift cards to the top three places. And so if you come in third place in Iron Man, you'll get $50 in Your Turn Games credit through a gift card. If you come in second, you get $75. And if you win the Iron Man, then you receive a $125 gift card to your turn games. That's some incredible price support right there. It is. That's $250 spread across the top three placements in the contender deck side event. Remember the contender deck side event is using the contender decks by list. So you just have to have a deck that is an exact copy of a contender deck that is available through your turn games. You don't have to buy a brand new contender deck from your turn games. If you have the cards to make that, you just have to be playing that deck list. So you can put some cards together, have an extra deck ready at nationals, and potentially walk away with $125 for coming in first place there. That's not a bad that's not a bad deal at all. That is not a bad deal at all. That is incredible. Not to mention so. some of the some of the contender decks make you play in a, a style that is different than what normally you play competitively because the, the speed is not as intense and the consistency is not as great. So it forces you to kind of slow down and be more intentional about the way that you play those decks, which can actually help you refine some of your, you know, pilot skills when it comes to playing decks and possibly playing decks that you aren't used to playing. I like to think of contender decks um, as redemption as it ought to be. It is a game of, 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 of two players who are having to conserve their resources. They're having to to sort of keep track of how cards are falling. It's, it's, it's everything that I love about Redemption and have been playing for years, but nobody's doing anything insane on turn one. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I guess the next thing that I want to bring up is we're talking about Nationals and we're talking about all the cool... Uh, you know, are are some of the cool side events that you can do and you get side event promo, but the promos at nationals that you're really wanting are those foil promos that are making their debut, you know, newly offered service from the printer to have those foil promos. But all of the previous promos are still some of the best, if not just straight up the best looking cards in the game's history. I know that that's the goal with those and, if you're just now playing, if you haven't been to a bunch of nationals, I've only been to the one last year. 
sometimes it's hard to get your hands on some of those. But Chad France, who is See the Tree on the boards in Discord, he's been on the podcast before talking about collections and collecting the Game of Redemption, just the collectible side of it. But he is now making available through an auction a collection of national promos. So what he has available, and I'll just run down the quick list. So if you're interested in some of these promos, you can just go and check that out on Discord or on the boards. He's got a 2016 Son of God, 2016 Captain of the Host, 2021 Angel of the Winds, 2021 Lawless, Lost Soul, 2017 Angel of the Lord, 2018 Angel of the Lord, 2018 Falling Away, 2019 Darkness, Lost Soul, 2017 Son of God, 2021 Grapes of Wrath, 2021 The Serpent, 2019 Christian Martyr, 2019 The Priest of Zeus, 2020 Michael, and then 2019 Son of God in New Jerusalem side-by-side promo. And he has all of those available for auction on the board. So if you're interested in some, some previous national promos, you can go and check that out and make a bid on those. So just wanted to spotlight the fact that those are available because it's not every day that some of those come available, some of the more rare ones, especially like a 2016 Captain of the Host and Son of God. Absolutely. I mean, I'm holding on to my 2016 Angel of the Lord. I can just remember the buzz when that Nationals when they started doing those promos. So Chad making those available to the community for an auction is incredible. This is like a once, this is a once in like four years type of opportunity, just so everyone like knows this doesn't happen every day. So go and get you, um, go and bid on Chad's stuff. Um, help my friend out with, uh, just buying his stuff and, uh, yeah. All right. So now we're going to get ready to go into some spoilers that have come out in the previous week and we have a ton of them. So, We've got the two spoilers from Israel's Deliverance and then a bunch of Phase 2. And just want to remind you all that the podcast is sponsored by Covenant Games. So these spoilers that you see, when they do become available from the retailers, you can purchase your Phase 2 boxes or Super Packs at that point once they're combined through Covenant Games. So we'll get right into it. And David's Tent is the first one. That is from the starter decks. And this is a fortress, so this is a bit of a a change in card type that we've seen. It's David's Tent, and the ability says, If put in play, you may take a 1 Samuel hero from deck or reserve. If your lone 1 Samuel hero attacks, you may draw one. That is just such a good card. Just a simple play this down, search out your best hero from 1 Samuel, and then each time it attacks, you get to draw one. I mean, that's just, it's just, just super solid. I mean, you go search for Hannah from Prophecies of Christ, you draw cards, and then you draw another card. And see, so you talk about how contender decks are the way redemption is supposed to be played, and now you're taking the starter deck and trying to just put blazing speed with it, and you're like, go get Hannah, look at their hand, draw a bunch more. So <laughs> who's well, the real problem I mean, here, Jay? <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair, we're not talking about the starter decks. We're talking about type one. We're not talking about contender decks. We're talking about card pool. And in that world, David's tent comes out and it's just immediately playable. And I just really like that. Yeah. 
I also think the next one from the starter deck, this is one that's going to be found in the reserve, at least in the version that we're going to be testing out at Nationals in sealed deck. This one is going to be Loyalty to David. It is dual alignment good enhancement. The numbers are two and four, and it's green and purple. And it says negate an evil card. Hero may ban to an Old Testament hero. So you get to negate and then ban. Pretty straightforward. Good, simple card. Absolutely. It's it's playable. Like, out of the bat, it's playable. Like, if this is in my opening hand, I don't feel bad about it. Like, this is a good negate. Yeah. I think I think we've we've grown accustomed as players, especially in the type one scene, to we don't care about negates as much as like interrupt the battle is better. Interrupt and do something. Well, this one doesn't interrupt the battle, but it does negate a card and then does something else. So that you can potentially negate an evil card that's removing you, bring in a hero that's going to then put your opponent in a spot where they have to respond. So, I mean, it's it's a solid card that probably sees some play outside of the starter decks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we already have playable green and purple cards like um, Covenant with David. We have gathered together. I mean, there's a number of green purple cards out of Bethlehem that are all playable. So loyalty to David will definitely see play. Um, provided, of course, it's not a card that gets trimmed from um, Israel's deliverance and just doesn't show up. Yep. Which, again, it's just going to... We don't know what changes are going to be made or whatnot based on nationals. And there could be, um, I think Gabe mentioned, there could be the number of cards in the starter decks change, whether that increases or decreases the amount. So all of those things have to happen before we see what the final product's going to look like. But with that, we'll move over to our phase two spoilers. And the first one we've got is Strong Demon. This is artwork that we've seen in the game previously. But it's kind of got new flash, a little bit new saturation, and it pops a little bit more. It's a 12-8 Orange Brigade Demon. So all orange. There is no other brigade. Warrior class. And it is generic and has a star ability to underdeck an evil card from reserve. And, you know, demons like to draw from the bottom of the deck. So you can underdeck a card that you want to draw from the bottom of your deck. The evil character ability is to look at the bottom three cards of deck. Look at there. Look at the bottom three cards of deck. You may take an evil card or add it to battle if a placed orange card is in play, which if you're playing demons as they're being designed right now, you're probably going to have some placed orange cards. So this guy gets to potentially add to battle whatever you have in your bottom three cards, evil card. Pretty good. What do you think about that, Jay? He's solid. I mean, he's just he's just straight up solid. He's got great numbers. He has a special ability that's really strong and gets a lot stronger. I mean, I remember back in the day, Egyptian magicians um, reveal the bottom. If it's evil, you can add it to hand and draw one or add it to battle. And this is that, but it's honestly stronger in a sense because you're looking at the bottom three, which gives you a higher odds of hitting. So I really, really like Strong Demon. Yeah, so that's Strong Demon. The next card you want to you wanna take, Jay? Absolutely. So Hate the Light. Um, this card has been known by a number of things. It was Hate, then it was Hating the Light. Now it's Hate the Light. And so Hate the Light is a 3-2 
orange evil enhancement that is territory class that says if played in battle under deck all heroes you may place in a territory protect heroes in that territory from artifacts and other heroes so this is a really good playable card it's got a little intriguing aspect to it with that protect heroes in that territory from artifacts not exactly sure what that is. I don't know if that would um, stop you from placing an artifact on a hero through a holds. I think it would be for, so David's heart specifically targets orange brigade because you can shuffle a demon with its ability. I think it's to protect something like that so that you can't activate harp on the hero. That's what I, I venture to say. And if that's the case, this, this is very playable. Hate the light is exceptionally good. It's important to note that this ability on Hate the Light stops banding on offense to characters in territory. And that's important. Yep. So, I mean, this, this card is just off-the-cuff playable. This is a really good redemption card. Yes. And I, I really do like the artwork on this for what the name of the card is and what they're trying to portray. It's got almost perfect artwork for that. Hate the Light, and it's like this shadow demon-style creature. That's, you know, avoiding the light. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's a Todd DeMell um, illustration, and those are some of the best um, illustrations. In that first batch of Redemption artwork that where Rob commissioned a bunch of Magic the Gathering and other fantasy illustrators to do artwork, because that's where all that artwork comes from. Todd DeMell did cards like Hate the Light and like Daniel the Apocalyptist. And they're some of the best early Redemption illustrations out there. And I just kind of wanted to call attention to that. This is a beautiful card. Nice, nice. Glad to have the aforementioned Redemption Historian on board for this episode. <laughs> that's going to totally that's that's going to come into play in just a little while. All right. So the next card we're going to look at, and we're just going to look at briefly because we've already seen it before. It's the Lost Soul Salty card. And this one previously said while no evil characters in battle negate enhancements, I believe is the wording, which ended up they realized after the fact that it was not going to operate the way it was intended because it was going to negate battle winners once you remove the evil character. Which was making it kind of broken. Yes. So they have changed the wording to while no evil character is in battle, prevent enhancements. So once they remove an evil character, if you're going to, you're, you're not going to have enhancements negated but then if i guess the main point of this card it seems like is to stop the impartial judgment off of awesome things the pre-block plays so something like that which is needed it would also stop i guess in in classic i i mean i assume this would stop like hidden treasures right from and it would force them to choose the other option to discard a card in your deck because it would stop them from being able to play an enhancement right or, or it would prevent, rather. So most, most cards are going to be prevented unless they're CBP. Um, yes. I assume th those are two of the main things that they were trying to use this card to stop. Yes. yes. This this card um, hurts territory class enhancements, and it hurts pre-block play. So it's actually very important for Classics metagame that this card is going to exist. Yeah. Um, which also plays into our announcement that is forthcoming. Yeah, the shutting down territory classes is very important, which, you know, I kind of glossed right over that now. Like, I know we talked about it initially when 
the first version of it came out. But yeah, that is still an important aspect. So that's going to bring us to Elizabeth, which is a 5'6 Monobrigade white hero, territory class. She's got the identifiers of nativity, prophet, and an X identifier. And X is going to be the number of cards in hand, which is something that we've seen plentiful with the nativity scene, the way that it's working. And her ability says, while another nativity hero is in play, negate opponent's evil cards in territory. So while another nativity hero is in play, it's similar to the negate neutral characters, but she's instead negating opponent's evil cards in territories like placed enhancements like hate the light, for example. And then it says, while attacking, protect nativity heroes from evil cards with strength X or greater, and that's X is the number of cards in your hand. So if you come in with two cards in hand, anything with strength two or greater, you're protected from. Yeah, nativity is just an interesting design space. And I really like Elizabeth, um, especially that negate opponent's evil cards in territories. Um, Territory negation has been a little broad up until this point. And so I like the fact that there's very good territory negation with Elizabeth but it's more targeted. It's not negate characters, negate neutrals. It's negate opponent's evil cards. And I think that's important. And I really like that the territory negation in phase two has been more targeted or more symmetrical. Yes. And this is using artwork from Carl Bloch, which gave us the artwork image for the cross and um, a couple of other cards that we've seen in phase two, but always has like unique, like you can tell when you look at them, the coloring aspects and, and whatnot, like they're, they're pretty good artwork pieces for the game to be using. If you're using old classic style paintings. So definitely like the artwork on Elizabeth here. I think, um, I believe it is also, it is, it is a reversed version of the artwork on Magnificent from the disciples expansion, just a piece of redemption history for you. Um, which was a really powerful enhancement back in the day. Um, and so I really like the fact that they mirror that artwork to get Elizabeth. They get that focal um, point on Elizabeth. They've cleaned the image up a little bit as well from when it was on Magnificent. And it's just, it's a really good piece of artwork. And I think it's a really good tie to that that older card in Magnificent. And I really like that. More history coming out. <laughs> so that's going to bring us to Chamber of Angels. You want to take you want to take that one, Jay? Chamber of Angels. You talk about history, man. Chamber of Angels is just one of those cards that's almost defining in Redemption's history. And I mean, because there's just so many different things that you could used to could be able to do with the old Chamber of Angels from Angel Wars. And so Chamber of Angels is a fortress, good fortress that plays to set aside and holds any number of angels. Chamber of Angels says if your hero is if your angel is harmed or defeated, you may hold it here instead. While occupied, negate opponent's evil cards in territories. And so this fortress, instead of your angels being captured or discarded or banished or shuffled or bounced or etc., you can move it to Chamber of Angels. 
And so there it's going to sit in your set aside area and it's protected until you can until you decide to remove it in your prep phase. And this is just a really good redemption card that also has that really subtly good ability of negate opponents evil cards in territories. And I think this is just a good riff on an old classic. Um, and it also features much better artwork than Angel Wars um, Chamber of Angels. And I say this as I'm staring at an unopened box of Angel Wars here in my office. But uh, but Chamber of Angels, I really like this rendition of Chamber of Angels. And I think it's going to just, I think it's going to be a really big boon to players who are like, like, like Mono Silver is a deck type that like has this cultic fixation amongst people who play it. And I just really, I'm really glad that Chamber of Angels has been reprinted and given this really good ability. And it's also been streamlined as to how angels get out of the chamber. So what you really like about this is that if your angel is harmed or defeated, you can put it into a fortress that's in set aside. So it plays similar to, no, we're, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're stretching here, buddy. I'm just messing with you. But when you, now, if they printed a JPEG's wife, angel, like <laughs> JPEG's wife with a halo on the art, like I would totally be all about that. Right. Well, you know, maybe somebody will win a category at nationals and that'll be their create a card. Just for you. You you put it out there. That's what you want. We'll see if the community no, can help it. you out. I, I name it. I declare it. <laughs> Will the Lord provide? <laughs> well, you won't be able to use the Lord provides because it's not in silver. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I do like this card. And this one really irritated me because when they first like posted just a, a glimpse of it, I think John was like, can you find the artwork? And I looked everywhere, and this artwork wasn't able to be found, and it really irritated me. So I'm glad to finally see the full art piece and the card and all of that. Some of these that where they've gotten actual licensing from, this is Backyard Entertainment. Like Some of those cards are just like you can't find them on the public space or whatever, and I was not able to find this, so I admit my failure there. But I'll make up for it with a story about another card in a little bit. So that's going to bring us to the Heavenly Host which is going to be a 9 and 11 Silver Brigade hero. It is Territory Class and Warrior Class. And it has the identifier of Nativity, and it has an X identifier. Go ahead and guess what that's going to be. Cards in hand. It creates Heavenly Host tokens here in the identifier line that are going to be tokens that are 1 and 9 Silver Male Angel Warriors. So... Tokens that it creates are Heavenly Host tokens. They are one attack, nine toughness, or, or one strength, nine toughness, silver, male, angel warriors. All right, now let's get to the ability. The ability says if your Heavenly Host token attacks, you may underdeck an evil card with strength X or greater. And then if you put a unique nativity hero in play, you may create a hero token. So you can create tokens. And then you can do that. One thing that Gabe mentioned was you take a token and then you can put it in Chamber of Angels to fulfill the while occupied negate opponents evil cards in territories without having to give one of your actual hero characters up to do that, to maintain that. Pretty good card. Seems like this is probably the, I want to say like the fifth maybe token generating card. I think so. I, I really like that they went with token generation as a theme in GOC. 
I'm not sold on Heavenly Host. Um, I think it's a really fun Timmy card. I'm not necessarily sold from like that competitive like spike kind of perspective, but I like the card in general though because it's like it's also got like a kind of a 3D effect going on. I really like. Yeah, and it's it's featuring three images from the Cahaba Productions Archangels comic. So familiar artwork there. Now, when we want to talk about cards that are going to go in our decks, I think we've got to talk about Harold, Herod Archelaus because Herod Archelaus is going in my deck. He is a 910 evil gold evil character who is a warrior, who is a Roman, a Herod, and a king with the star ability top deck a dominant from each hand. And says, protect this card from lone heroes and opponent's dominance. I think we've heard this before. If blocking, you may discard a good card from a reserve. Cannot be prevented. Here is Emperor Nero with, with a, a better ability. ability and a star ability. Yes. This guy is a hoss. And the fact that you can grab him with Daenerys. Now, you can't obviously fulfill like Nero fulfills the if you control an emperor part but if you already have your yeah, Nero and I mean I activate my Daenerys and I get like this great evil character to block you with that can play like awesome things like not the dominant of course but like just I mean I just love this card this is a dadgum beast of a card yeah I think that this one looks really cool like the the artwork in it the look that he's giving you as the player like if you're holding this card it's almost like whoever he's looking at, he's looking like arrogantly into their soul. Like you really think you're about to rescue on me. Like that's just kind of the vibe that the, the artwork gives, but he is definitely a solid card. Absolutely. I just like this card. Adding a star ability to potentially be put in decks that have, or are, are desiring to have some evil characters boost the star numbers just for like numerous, numerous as the stars, stars becoming even more of a banging card. Like that ability, like if you get that card, it, it could be one or two in a game, but there's games where it could be five or six at times. And it's like, okay, you're at such a advantage because of that. Just seeing evil characters that have star abilities that are not just have star abilities, but are extremely playable and you want to play. That's that's fun. I really like this card as well. I think I want you to move us along now because the next card on our list is really interesting from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, this is a deteriorating condition. It has an X number for the strength and then zero for the toughness. And the X is the number of your New Testament demons. This card Interrupts the battle. You may take a gospel demon from reserve. Character may ban to any number of gospel demons. Cannot be negated if a placed orange card is in play. So it seems like this card gives you a little bit of utility. It's interrupting the battle. lets you grab a gospel demon from your reserve. And then can ban to any number of those gospel demons. But then the CBN means that it's going to be tossed by the cross. It's going to be tossed by Colosseum. X number on it based on the number of your demons, and we already know you can create tokens. I think there's a couple of different token-generating cards in orange. That X number is going to get pretty high, potentially. So this is a solid card for tossing or for using the ability. I mean, it's just a good card. I mean, it's just a sound 
orange enhancement. And we're just at a loss for those in the current environment. So this card coming out, I mean, I love this card. Which, speaking of cards I love, um, the Expatriator. This guy is a hoss, and that is some of the absolute most gorgeous Cahaba artwork I've ever seen. Give us a rundown on Expatriator. This one is 1110 Silver Mono Brigade Angel. It's Warrior Class, and this was one of the first ones that was hinted that it was going to be a Joshua-style character, and its ability is is pretty solid for that expectation that was given to us by Gabe. This ability says to negate an opponent's evil card in play or set aside area. So that's your Sheol, your Gates of Hell, things like that. You could potentially negate a Babel, an evil card in play or set aside area. If it is not a human, you may underdeck it, may ban to a gospel angel, cannot be interrupted. So it's a CBI, so it can be prevented, but CBI uh, banned to another gospel angel. That is super good. Yes. Like, angels don't band. And then there's this guy. The, I think the banding to a gospel angel may, you know, it makes him kind of fit into a certain type of deck for silver. So you're going to have to play into the gospel things a little bit to maximize him. But definitely a fun card. Love the artwork. Love the picture that John and Gabe put out of them holding the cards. And they mentioned that the cards that they were holding was actually versions of it to where they were testing, trying to get the silver. You know, we heard that story from Gabe on the podcast, trying to get that silver to pop kind of the way it used to do with the previous printer service. But this is going to be a rare card, number 126 in phase two. And I am looking forward to popping this bad boy open, hopefully at Nats. Such a wonderful card. Our next card is Reprimand and Repercussion. It is a 5-2 white enhancement and a 2-3 gold enhancement. And it says negate a card. This is the only ability it has. Negate a card, withdraw up to two opposing characters. This is just profoundly good. Like, this card is good in a side battle. This card is good in white. This card is good in gold. It is negate a card and withdraw two opposing characters. It's just good. It's it's it, it's fair to say it's just good. It's not incredible. It's not overpowered. It's not all that in a bag of chips. But this is a card that is good that I will play in my decks. And I like that. And I like this card because it just gives it all sorts of flexibility. Um, it's really good inside battles. So... In Classic, if you made a side battle with King Rehoboam in your white offense that's using, like, Susanna, you can trigger Susanna, make your opponent's thing character block, and then you can play Reprimand and withdraw their characters out of battle. It's awesome. I like this card. I like this card, too. And Tyler mentioned that it originally had two similar abilities, but then he brought the idea, or someone brought the idea from the leadership team to... Why do we have two similar abilities filling the box? Take that away and just make it one ability that works for both sides, and it's just clean, and it looks really good. And I like this from just a card design principle of, boom, one ability works for both ways instead of having the two staggered that are going to do similar things. I think that's a clean way to present that card. And it looks like a a solid you know B-level card. You say it's not all that in a bag of chips. 
if it was chips, it would be like Ruffles original. And you know, it's not it's not going to be barbecue. It's not Doritos. It's not fancy, but it's 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 the chips that you expect to be at the cookout. Yes, but it's not the chips that you go the cookout for. Right, and it it goes back to when I mentioned the starter deck card to where. We are getting accustomed as players to want our cards to negate and do something or interrupt the battle and do something. Negate isn't good enough anymore, you know, like the way that the game is progressing. So negate a card and then potentially has a battle winning ability. I will actually disagree with you on negate not being good enough, but I like this card because I, I mean, I don't think that everything has to interrupt the battle and do something to be good. I like the flexibility of, like, like Reprimand and Repercussion, I like that better than an Interrupt the Battle, because this gets you out of a special initiative by a neutral card. Yes, that that's very important. You like your Negate cards to also offer a benefit as well, so you don't have to play a Negate and then a potential battle winner to follow it up. This Negates and then can like be. this card? Right, it just, it, it's kind of putting those two together in your hand. You know, being very versatile. So that's going to bring us to some fancy artwork that I'm going to let you let run this run this one down. This this is Angel Wars. This is Angel Wars art. This is the only art in Angel Wars that is worth looking at. This is the Revealer Lost Soul, and so Revealer Lost Soul Redux. Um, has Unity Lost Souls New Testament, and for good reason, because I don't want you playing Darkness in this in your same in the same deck, and I don't think the anybody would want that. So this card says Unity, if drawn or put in play by an opponent, you may reveal cards from the top of a deck until a lost soul is revealed. Play it or an evil character if you do not control one, and under deck the rest. So this is just good. This is a really good redemption card. Um, when you draw this lost soul or it's put in play by your opponent's special ability, you just start flipping cards off the top of your deck until a soul is revealed. Um, or a deck. It could be your opponent's deck. And then you can play the soul or an evil character if you do not control one. So it's soul gen on your opponent exclusively. But for you, it can pull you out of a really bad defensive draw. I mean, this is very possibly the card that pushes New Testament Unity Lost Souls into that playability competitively over Covet Lost Soul lines. I really, really like this card. I like it too. I think the ability for it to potentially be Soul Gen off of Imitate or the fact that you could use it, I guess, because you get to choose an evil character uh, or whatnot. Play it or an evil character if you do not control one. I think uh, Jaden mentioned that you could use this to, if you don't control an evil character, you would be able to technically play one out of their deck. Since it says a deck, as long as you don't control an evil character, you can play one. You could play an evil character to choose the blocker. Something like that with Simon. Absolutely. So just value all over the place with this. It, it's not as good as Darkness for what Darkness is. That's just kind of a thrown-in ability as well. Just an extra thing. The main thing that it's doing is letting you reveal play a soul and offering you just versatility off of imitate at different times to be able to do different things, manipulating the two options there. It's just an exceptionally good redemption card. And it looks fantastic. So that's going to bring us to destructive sin. And this is a card that is a mono brigade orange enhancement, which you stated that we, we need more quality 
orange enhancements. This one's territory class has a 3d element of the guy extending past the frame. And this is artwork that we've seen before. I believe it's on the original card and the star ability is discard a good card from a reserve. So it's another one of those star abilities that unfortunately doesn't work turn one, but otherwise is a great star ability. It's, Regular ability is to withdraw all heroes. And then you may place this card in territory. So in your territory. And then if opponent uses a good draw ability, you may draw one from bottom of deck instead. So that's instead of their ability. It's just so good. Like, it's, oh, you you draw? Okay, instead of me getting a benefit and you getting your draw, you don't get your draw and I get a benefit. Like, this is... This is some sneaky play right here. Yeah, and it's another thing that once you place that in your territory, you're going to force them to have an answer for that. And there's a lot of things with orange demons, um, I guess orange is demons, but in phase two that we're seeing that like you're getting value out of this card. So withdraw all heroes, that's a potential battle winner. But otherwise, and, and then on top of that, even if you do play it as a battle winner, you may place this card in territory opponent uses a good draw ability so you're getting a potential benefit and then a long-lasting benefit that forces the opponent to have an answer for it orange is just layering things like that all the token generating cards that you can you know then place or cards that you can place on the opponent so they're going to have to have an answer for that and potentially an answer for this in your territory at a certain point they're going to run out of those answers you're going to pose more questions than they have answers for yeah absolutely i mean there was a period of time where, like, running, like, one live cold could answer cards like this. But, I mean, when there's this many placed orange cards, you're going to run out of things to get rid of placed orange cards. And then that's going to just absolutely, like... Like, this card is 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 the best of the placers that I've seen so far. This is such a good redemption card. Absolutely. So, that's going to bring us to the next card, which is more Cahaba art from the Archangels comics. And this is Destroying Spirit. It's a generic Orange Brigade demon with 8-9 as the strength and toughness. It has Warrior Class, and it has an X identifier that says number of your placed orange cards. We've already told you how easy it is going to be to place some orange cards. So this is going to let you draw X, limit 3, from the bottom of deck or equip an orange weapon from reserve. So that's up to 3 since that's the limit, and then may ban to a generic demon. So this guy's coming out, giving you a potential draw, or equip an orange weapon from reserve, and then ban to a generic demon. Pretty simple ability there. I don't know how much he's going to fit in because there's just so many really good demons, but this is a card that I mentioned that I knew something about that I doubt anyone else knows. So you've got all these nuggets. You've already hit us with a bunch of nuggets of things that you know about redemption and the history of the game. Bring it. I know something about this artwork that no one else knows in Redemption. Tell me. It was penciled, so the guy that drew this is named Andy Park. Have you ever heard of Andy Park? I have not. Okay, well, Andy Park was brought on. Archangels was a very eventful, uh, it was very eventful for them to get the saga completed, the um, nine issues. And he was brought on for one issue, which was in 1998, for them to do number six, issue number six, I believe. And so he pinned this, or he did the ink on this, to draw this picture. Andy Park went on to not not be involved in the project anymore past that issue. 
but he since has done so in his in his comic book interiors history he did archangels in 1998 then he went to several including tomb raider which is you know pretty popular for that he did some x-men's and then he also latched on with filmography for the avengers and marvel studios he has been a concept artist for Captain America, the first Avenger, Thor. Oh, my star. The Avengers, Iron Man 3, Thor, the Dark World, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, Captain America, Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Thor, Ragnarok. So, Andy Park, my the guy goodness. that penciled this card. So, Redemption has a card that has artwork that was penciled by someone that is a high-end concept artist for Marvel Comics. And, I mean, you can look at it and tell it's from his early days before he got good. I mean, it's, it's kind of dark and hazy, and that's kind of that was kind of his style early on. But that's still a pretty, pretty cool tidbit of information there, that Redemption has artwork that was done by somebody starting out in their career, and they are now latched on with Marvel Comics, or Marvel Studios. That is that is something that is that is a piece of tidbit. How do you know all this about archangels? I found a random uh, podcast. Two guys was going over the long history of the process to get the archangels saga complete, and I found that out about four months ago, maybe a little bit longer. And I've just you know bided my time until this image came out because. This is the only image I know of from episode or from Saga Volume Six or Issue Six. It wasn't the best episode. I do know that it's it's the episode or the issue. I keep saying episode, but it was the issue that they were told by their studio to finish this up, get it done. We're tired of this dragging on. So at the end, on the last page, they show the main character climbing to the top and jumping off of a building, and it says "to be continued." just to stick it to their, their studio. <laughs> oh my. Heavens. And they, they forced, That's they bad. forced them to let them make, I guess at this point, seven, eight and nine, three more issues. So that is, that's something right there. Yeah. If you Google, if you Google Andy Park and you look at him, he is a, like, I don't know where I've seen him, but he's, I, I guess he's been in a couple of the movies, maybe as like just a random character or something. You know how they kind of do that with, people that are behind the scenes or whatnot, but he's definitely somebody that like you see and you recognize, or I recognize him. I mean, I just looked him up and I mean, I, I also recognize him. And I, I don't know where I recognize him, like in, in like what he actually looks like as a person besides knowing this about him, but he is definitely somebody that's recognizable to me. So that's your tidbit of information that I believe that I was the only one aware of before I shared that story within the community you can follow that up with evil armor we move on to evil armor evil armor is a evil weapon orange weapon that has an x in its strength and a four in its toughness and x is your number of your gospel demons and it says protect demons from strength or protect demon from heroes with strength greater than heroes toughness. So you slap evil armor on a tiny little demon and your tiny little demon is now red dragon, but not CBP. 
Um, look at the top X, limit six cards of deck. So number of your gospel demons. Take one and underdeck the rest. So this is a really solid weapon. It gives you this protect effect. And then it also gives you this card filtering effect that tops out sort of at that divination Philistine Soothsayers level of looking at the top six, taking one and underdecking the rest. But this is just a really, really solid weapon for our um, little friend with the Andy Park artwork to equip from reserve. Yeah, it's a it's a solid card. I really like the artwork on this one, and I don't know if it came naturally with it being this vibrant, but I feel like it was probably tweaked by Gabe or, or whoever did the artwork for it, but it really pops. I really like this artwork on this card, and it looks like a card that you want to possess. You want to have it because it just, I mean, it just looks good. Pretty cool card, and I think that's one that, like, especially with the younger generation that already gravitates toward angel heroes and demon evil characters, like, this is going to be a card that, oh, wow, has the wow factor to the way that the artwork pops on it. Absolutely. And the, uh, just a, I'm going to trade tidbits now. My tidbits a lot not, is nowhere near as good as the one you just totally bombshelled us with. <laughs> but uh, Evil Armor's initial incarnation in, as an orange enhancement was in Priests. And it was not a weapon. You believe that? It was not a weapon. And so... I'm going to just share a tidbit. So demons were not warrior class until Revelation of John. Demons in orange were intentionally designed to not be warrior class, even though they should have been um, since angels were, were. But they were designed intentionally to not be warrior class and to not have weapons from priests all the way through Revelation of John. Oh, so... That's the reason that most of those cards, like what what would so evil armor? That sounds like something that would be a weapon, but it's definitely I'm looking at it now from priest is not a weapon. So the only reason was that the card designers at the time did not want demons to be weapon class. Yes, don't know why, don't understand it, but um, that might be a good good thing for someone who's been designing redemption cards for some time to enlighten us on that. I believe that philosophy was instituted by Brian Hake um, when he designed priests. Um, and then it just was held through sort of as a legacy um, thing all the way through revelation of John and then revelation of John, we get our first warrior demons, our first weapons, etc. So we got one more spoiler. And so I want you to do. I want you to go over this this last spoiler for us. I actually, fun fact, I actually didn't realize that this card was a phase two card. I had totally like for some reason I thought that the Forgiven Woman was a card that has been around and was printed in phase one. And I mean, because I'm just so used to these, um, I, I got the wonderful privilege to help playtest cards, and so I didn't realize Forgiven Woman Woman was a holdover until phase two. So. If, I see this and I'm like, whoa, this is a thing. So this is the Forgiven Woman on the hero side where she is Mono Brigade Gold with the numbers of four and five. So four strength and five toughness. Her ability on that side says negate an evil card in play or set aside area. I'm telling you, they are, they are really hating on some evil cards in set aside area. So negate an evil card in play or set aside area. Then you may exchange a card from hand with a good New Testament card from reserve. 
So she gets to come in, negate a card, and then exchange to make sure you have a resource for the battle. On the flip side, where she is, she is a crimson evil character, Mono Brigade, numbers of two and two, and she is the shamed woman. And it says, may ban to an evil male human, or you may take a New Testament artifact or crimson enhancement from reserve. And I think it's very, like, a lot of the things that have been grabbing from reserve and whatnot that we've seen are grab gospel or grab New Testament. This one's just grab or a crimson enhancement from reserve, which is, you know, opening up all of the crimson Old Testament enhancements as well. And she's 2-2. She's going to get initiative there. So I think this is a card that's going to definitely see some some play just for the fact that it's low numbers and can grab something from reserve. So it's kind of a one-off block, grab this, make this play. So when you were play testing, did you, did you run across this one or did you test this one? I, I did test the forgiven woman and I don't remember what it did. Um, so that's, I know that's disappointing, but I just remember that it was in a play test file and that I thought it was already printed. So, I mean, that's about as much as I'm really, I feel like I feel comfortable saying it's not really my place. Um, but it just, and I mean, it just struck me. It's like, I thought this one was printed already. So. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I know we had a couple of crimson cards that came out with, so like the man with the withered hand or whatnot, but this is one of those that it's crimson, but it's not a thief. So it's going to be able to use some of the things from GOC, but it kind of doesn't fit with the main crimson theme because she's not listed as a thief. She's not a thief for that, you know, subset of cards. So that is the forgiven woman and the shamed woman, another dual alignment hero and evil character on the same card, adding to the immense versatility within the set of gospel of Christ. That is going to bring us to the, part of the episode where we get to the reason that this episode is happening 17 spoilers later and now it is time for my announcement you feel like it was a little bit of a a little bit of a drag getting through there but we're not upset about the spoilers by any means but like there is a lot of spoilers lately so it just takes a little bit more to get through but before we get into this i want you guys to just think about what it could be that jay's about to talk about and just picture in your mind what would be the coolest announcement Jay could give you. And then I want you to let me know afterwards whether he exceeded your expectations and went above and beyond what you expected he might have for you. Or if it was kind of, you know, you expected bigger. Because I think it's very exciting what he's going to share with us. So you have the floor now, Jay. All right. So I am pleased to announce that the chamber brother chambers brothers are going to be arranging and organizing an event known as the classic championship. And uh, the classic championship is going to be just an absolute blast. It's going to be two days of basically nonstop redemption action sometime next year between the end of February and the middle of March. So it's a date range. And this is because Jeremy wants to make sure that he is fully able to be there. This is, I must say that I am the, um, I am the voice. I am the, 
front man, but Jeremy is the masterminds of this operation. If anyone has been wondering, um, for several years now, Jeremy is the brains. Um, and so Jeremy, Jeremy had this idea, and I'm going to really get into what Jeremy's idea was in a minute. And that this tournament has evolved, like what this is going to be has evolved and expanded from the initial vision, but still contains the entirety of that initial vision. So the classic championship is a tournament for those of us like myself who, who look at my collection and I see the fact that I have all of these cards with words on the picture and these wonderful scroll scripture boxes. And I'm like, okay, what in the Sam Hill do I do with this now? Because, you know, we have rotation in states, regionals, nationals, and outside of national side events, locals, and districts, there's not a lot of classic tournaments to go around, and that's okay, because the game has evolved. But this is a tournament that wants to honor Redemption's past. And so I want to do it in the most epic, we want to do it, I'm going to say we, Jeremy and I want to do this in the most epic way possible. And so the classic championship is going to be so epic for one major reason. This is the cool announcement. So as part of the classic championship on Friday night of the classic championship, assuming that everything comes together, we're going to host an event or we're going to have a tournament complete with live streaming and live in the booth commentary. Um, hopefully that will be professional grade. Um, so hopefully, um, good Mr. My friend, Mr. Hendricks here can help us with some of this, but this event will be the Mr. Classic Invitational. And so the Mr. Classic Invitational is a single elimination tournament featuring eight of the best players in the history of the game, which most of those participants are going to be announced, um, in the eight weeks leading up to the event. But these eight players are going to play off in a seeded bracket single elimination tournament where there will be a feature match each round where they will be playing against one another using classic decks. Um, it's worth noting they will be playing classic as it stands with erratas, with current rules. So they're not going to be playing classic like as it was. They're going to be playing classic as it is now, which is relevant to know. Um, but they're going to be playing and they're going to be competing for the coolest prize in all of redemption history. Nothing in redemption history has ever been as cool as this prize. They are going to be competing for the first and hopefully the only redemption championship belt. And so if you've ever watched pro wrestling and you've seen those giant, gaudy, gold belts, we've got one for redemption now. We have the Mr. Classic Undisputed Championship belt. And it is the... We're going to need pictures. The pictures are not coming until Jeremy shows up at Nationals with the belt. So the belt will be at Nationals. The belt will be at Nationals. Um, you will find it with the short ch um, guy that is a Chambers, that everyone knows who he is. Short though he may be, he can totally body slam me and all of my incredibly heavy self but uh um it will be with jeremy and he will have the mr classic championship belt on display at nationals for all to see he's gonna walk in wearing it with like <laughs> if you smell <laughs> what redemption is cooking <laughs> oh this is awesome man and like 
We already were super hyped for nationals, and now you're telling me that Jeremy is going to be there advertising an event that is going to be happening several months later into the next calendar year, but he's going to have the belt there just to like build the hype. So the hype train is just repositioning. The hype train is repositioning, and it's going to get better and better. Oh, man. So do you guys, you mentioned that it's going to be eight of the greatest players in redemption history. Do you already know who those eight are? Are you? I'm working on it, but I'm not going to announce all of them or any of them actually until I have everyone locked and committed. And I'm going to go um, starting eight weeks before the event, there will be a series of land of redemption articles, assuming that I'm actually get all that lined up um, where we profile each participant in the Mr. Classic Invitational. And so I'm going to write up a bio and do an interview with each participant and post it on Land of Redemption eight weeks beginning. And we're going to begin with the entrant who will be the wild card community entrant. And so starting in August after Nationals, we're going to run a poll for the wild card community entrant, which is entry entrant at seed number eight. And so we're going to be voting between three different players that will be announced after nationals um, who will be invited to the Mr. Classic Invitational of these three players. Um, also, we don't know one of the we don't know two of the other in, invitees because they've not been decided yet. I've got an idea of five players that I would like to invite, and we're going to begin working and getting confirmation for those five players um, who have incredibly good results, both in type one, two player and type two, two player throughout the history of redemption. Um, One of the criteria is that players must have significant finishes in type one and or type two that predate the release of the INJ starter decks. But two of the, of the, so five of the seven are going to be players with multiple national championships, multiple uh, type one and type two, two player placings. Um, people that probably will begin circulating in your mind as to who they might be. But I'm going to have to, of course, confirm with each of these individuals personally. And that is a process that has not been begun yet. Um, and it will begin very shortly um, following the release of this episode. But so we have the we have the wild card entrant that is voted on via poll. We have five people that will receive invites based on prior um, accomplishments, and then that leaves us with two invites. And so the way that these two players, so these are players at seeds seven and six respectively, will receive their invites is first seed number seven will receive that player's invite by winning a qualifier tournament held in September in place of the Lackey Grand Prix for that month. It will be a classic tournament following the Lackey Grand Prix format that will be for the, um, that will be playing for the seventh seed in the Mr. Classic Invitational. Oh, snap. Oh, yeah. Hype train. Everyone will be open to join that Invitational tournament in the in September. Every player who does not receive an inquiry from myself about being an entrant in this tournament will be eligible to play in this qualifier tournament. Except the winner of the poll 
and then entrant number six or seed number six, which is the reigning type one, two player national champion from 2022. So whoever wins type one is going to, whoever wins type one has an automatic invitation to Mr. Classic provided that they come. All right. So the community voting to select the wild card, that's going to be seed number eight. That's going to be, you know, just a lamb led to the slaughter here. Because I'm guessing they're going to match up with seed number one, who you think is the greatest player of all time. So whoever the community, whoever we bond together and send to their fate, uh, we're going to know that before the September Invitational Tournament. Correct. Okay, so we'll find out in August who that person is. In September, we'll find out that person. And in July, obviously, at the end of July, when Nationals happens, we'll know who has that automatic qualifier from winning type one yep so we'll have half of the field almost figured out before you know any confirmation comes from the top five that you have and then you will find out the top five as their biographical articles are posted okay can i can i go down some questions here about the event that i don't believe were explicitly answered sure i've got some more um I've got some more things to share details on. Oh, okay. Well, you can just ask me questions and it might be more interesting. Okay. So where is this going to happen? You told us the time frame. Where is it going to be? Currently, we are looking at hosting at Meridian Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, with everyone's favorite national host, Chris Fashman. Hey, hey, I, I don't know. The way Nationals is going this year. He might not be the favorite anymore. Like Iowa Nationals this year is going to be super awesome. This, this is this is the Nationals to go to, but uh, Chris has a special place in my heart because that was where my first Nationals was. So, I mean, it might be Jay's favorite Nationals host. Yeah, yeah Chris but. has a special place in my heart too, right next to the big blockage of cholesterol. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where I won my first redemption tournament when I went up there and won regionals. Chris has got also. Chris has a good location because it has it has tourist benefit, and it's also in the south, which makes it an easier location to travel to than, for example, if I were to host this tournament in Michigan in the frozen month of February. Yeah, that's fair. Because this is something that I absolutely would want to host if I didn't live in Amish country. For the record, if you come to Midwest regionals, you can see Amish people. <laughs> All right, so you said it's a two-day event, so I'm guessing that means it's Friday, Saturday. Friday, Saturday, and we're going to be looking at running things on Friday starting midday. So we're actually looking to make Friday partially an event day as well. Um, But the exact schedule and types of events are currently um, subject to be decided, although there is one thing that I can confirm for sure which is on Saturday, we will have a classic Type 1-2 player tournament that is open to all, that has prize support, that hopefully is some, that has some, some reason for you to want to come and play in this tournament. Um, we've tossed around everything. Like I would say that at a bare minimum, the value of the first place prize is going to be at least a box of GOC Super Packs. And it could potentially be um, something that is on level or exceeds the value of Nationals winning promos. Okay. So that was going to be my next question is, you're saying that the 
Mr. Classic Invitational with these eight participants, you know, is happening Friday. And then I was going to ask what what's happening Saturday. So that's going to be a tournament that's open to all. So that's another question I was going to ask is, who are you wanting to show up from this? And it sounds like you want literally everybody to be there. So if you're hearing this under the sound of our voices, you got to get ready everyone. and come. I want everyone in the community to come to this awesome event. Um, it is it is designed to have a spectator component with with a viewing room. That that this is my dream, um, and I know for a fact that you can make this happen at Chris's church. I want to, I want the community to have a reason for us. We 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 all love to hang out with one another. We love to fellowship together. And this is this is a tournament that is set in a venue that is ripe for tourism, that is known to the community at large. I mean, we've been going to Chris's for ten years as a community. So, I mean, this is a great location. Um, it's in a time where there's almost no reason that most people care about playing Redemption. I mean, I'm not trying to be, I mean, it's just, it's, it is a known quantity that in the Redemption community, um, since the um, unfortunate, like, hiatus of the Type 2 only, people don't play Redemption in March and February, unless GOC comes out in April, or I mean, January. But this is trying to possibly give us a second major tournament in the tournament year and a tournament that is just a reason to want to play redemption. I mean, and it's also a reason for us to want to play with our classic cards. Yeah. Because they're currently in a shoebox, and I have no reason to touch them, but now you're telling me this, like I'm glad I didn't throw that shoebox in storage, <laughs> pull that shoebox out of storage, open up a box of thesaurus to get those cards you might need and like start playing redemption like and order the cards order your sealed boxes of angel wars because everyone's going to need that michael (laughs) oh absolutely and i mean i think i think that this tournament is really it's an it's an homage to the fact that growing up when i was a kid there were these players that i i knew their names I knew that they were winning nationals and I was in the community and I was looking and I was, I was there. I mean, like, I mean, I was following along in 2009 when Gabe won nationals in California. And in 2012, I was there when Josiah beers like made this gigantic splash on the redemption scene. And like, I followed as John early, our good friend and my um, co-host at thoughts from Portland, um, which for everyone listening, there's going to be one final episode of Thoughts from Portland come out at some point in the future. But as he was going on his absolute tear through the 20 teens, I mean, I, I, I just remember all of these things. And so, and all of these things have to do with these, these, these redemption cards. And most of them are classic cards. I mean, it's Angel Under the Oak. It's Women's Falling Away. It's Holy Grail. And I mean, just a lot of fond memories from my childhood have to do with these wonderful cards. And I know that they, they, they are not graphically up to par with the things we're doing now. And I love redemption where it's at now, but doing the classic um, championship, it gives us a, 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 a scene for where these cards that made this game, what it is today um, and paved the way for this incredible game engine that redemption now has 
um, with all of the different things you can do. This is the tournament where you can play them. This is the tournament where where we can we can we can cower in fear as Covenant with Death hits the table again. I mean, this is going to be just an homage to redemption as it has always been. Covenant with death with the cross. Oh man. Oh, Thaddeus with Matthew. Oh man. This is going to be, this is going to be one for the ages. Herod's treachery with all of the old Herod, new Herods. Jay ripping plots and losing. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> Hey, I deserve it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is just this is an homage to what redemption is. Get your Haman's plots out of storage, guys. Tape them back together. Rip them again. <laughs> All right. So let me uh, on the the list of events here. So I think I think we've got it. Is it just going to be the two, or is there going to be additional like? side events. So there's there's one more there's one more thing that I know for sure is going to be happening. Okay. Well let me take a guess at guessing that because I know Jeremy and I know that he has a soft spot in his heart for that terrible gameplay style of multiplayer that went away. Are you guys doing anything that involves multiplayer? You know that's actually not what we've discussed. Although we might do the thing we've confirmed might be done as multiplayer. So what I can tell you is that Chris Fashman and I have been in communication um, and Chris has a stash of women of the Bible packs. And so we're going to do a classic booster draft with every set sans warriors. And we might throw in something else too, but for the most part, it's going to be every set sans warriors cutting off like when classic cards stopped being produced. So we're going to be drafting for sure unlimited prophets, apostles, or women's apostles, patriarchs, kings, angel wars, priests, thesaurus, disciples. So that's 10 packs um, of classic cards. And classic draft like this is a really fun format. So I'm, I'm thinking that this is just going to be a generally good booster draft that we might do it as multiplayer. Because multiplayer booster is where it's at. At least that's what Josh Nitt thinks, and I agree with Josh. I don't guess I have a preference either way, but um, I have played both. And, and multiplayer in Booster is nowhere near as bad as multiplayer with constructed decks. There is no there is no love at first sight. One by one by one by one by one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is the bare bones of it. So you you kind of talked about like the nostalgia for you and and the pull of wanting to do that just so that there's a purpose for these cards that paved the way and all of that. Let me ask you something because I think when we talk about redemption and we always talk about the future health of the game because that is what is most important to the, you know us as a player base is for the future of the game to be in good hands and in good standing. And I think leadership has done a good job of that and rotation I feel like was a necessary step to that. But when we talk about rotation and the need for it, we always talk about the Samuel, Angel Under the Oak, the, just the, the same few decks that you see are the negative things about Classic. What are, what are just a, a handful, if you want to just share, just a few elements that you miss from Classic that weren't those broken elements that we had to get rid of, just some of the things that kind of got lost in rotation that you're excited to kind of touch again? So one thing that I, I loved about Classic was 
that you actually sometimes play these games where every evil character gets discarded. Um, sometimes you play these games where you just get Wrath of Satan to buy a defensive heavy deck, and it's just like, okay, what do I do now? And those are interesting situations that rotation just doesn't really have right now. Like we don't use like rotation doesn't have a tangible like hero management. Like nothing dies. There's no Haman's plot that kills three heroes. There's no um, I'm going to play zeal for the Lord. I'm going to blast two of your evil characters. There's there's just not that's just not there at the level that it was in classic. And so I really appreciated just some of that gameplay of stuff dies and then that sort of thing. Another thing that's missed about classic is because of the fact that so many battles can just assuredly end due to cannot be negated enhancements battle extension in classic is a lot more playable than it actually is in rotation right now. Like a lot of rotation battles actually end by the numbers. And, and trust me, I've as the guy who has played two Lackey Grand Prix games where I have won a lost soul by using two by two to get seven offense on something stupid like Noah's wife, rotation battles end by the numbers. In, in classic, battle extension is totally a thing, especially on defense, because battles end because stuff is cannot be negated. And so that's an interesting aspect of classic gameplay, not to mention, I'll be completely honest with you, like in rotation, I want rain becomes dust. I want hard counters that just don't exist. And in in classic, you still have Nazareth. You still have Hezekiah's signet ring. You have covenant with death. I miss the hard counters. And so I think classic is actually in an interesting and like no one has competitively. It's worth noting no one has competitively played reserve rule classic. And so Classic actually might be a very entertaining game right now. We just haven't played it. We have no idea. It could be degenerate. We don't know. And I think that that air of mystique, that air of not knowing the meta, is something that now, like with the advent of, of, of Zubaril's Temple Artificers and Tyler Talks, I mean, the meta right now, like stuff comes out into the meta and people see it and all that. But classic is it's classic is classic and no one knows what classic is. And we really need a home brewer's paradise. We need a format that you can do anything. And so like classic in Redemption is a lot like Magic the Gathering's legacy or vintage where you can just do what you want to do. And it's just incredible. And I'm really excited that we're going to give it a stage to see what it can do again. And so I know that the, the nationals will have the side events and that that will give us a brief idea of this is what people think is good in classic. And then the qualifier tournament will help with that, especially since we're going to treat it like it's a lackey grand prix, but I'm really excited to see what classic does when we put it to this, this, this under this microscope of the best players in the history of the game, um, under the microscope of an open tournament where people are bringing the deck that they want to try to win the prize with. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see just what does the meta do in classic. Yeah. Is, is creation of the world a top tier deck? Is disciples the best thing out there? Um, are we, are we trying to rush to covenant with death lock or are we playing throne of David banding with Joshua, the conqueror? What are we playing? Yeah. Those are, those are all like just 
valid points of things that could be, you know, rising to the top. And that's just a handful of, of deck ideas and things. I think it's also, like you mentioned, seeing how when you put Classic to the test, I think the fact that Classic is going to have the chance to kind of, you know, be fluid and shake out to what players make it, you know, when they build decks and whatnot and see how it comes together, including new cards with Classic cards. I think that'll also help the designers, you know, as Chris and Tyler take on the role of designing new sets. Because I know that they've mentioned that, you know, you don't want to do away with classic cards and you want to keep in mind how things interact with classic. But there's not a lot of time to play test against the entire card pool when you got to get a new set out. I think maybe this will feel some of that and let them see how the new cards are meshing with the old cards in classic to kind of see the health of classic as a category which is going to be probably interesting to to note kind of how that shakes out. I absolutely I agree. I'm excited to see what side events at Nationals. I really hope people um for those of you listening, if you go to Nash when you go to Nationals and you play a side event, you need to post your classic deck for us to see because I want to see it. Everyone wants to see it. And so I I'm, I'm just really curious and I mean to see how this shakes out and to see what the top players in the history of the game and the scrappy underdog of the community um, wild card and all of that, what they decide that they're going to stake their, 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 their championship hope on um, as they compete for like this gigantic gaudy gold title belt. I mean, like that's just going to be epic. It's going to be a, it's going to be one for the ages, man. The only thing that, that would make it cooler is if, Whenever, like you, you mentioned the scrappy underdog and the community's pick or whatever, it'd be cool if like there was something that happened that was cool if that person went on to win the event or whatever. Just complete upset everybody. That I mean, it's not going to happen because you're like I said, you're picking some poor soul to send them to the slaughter because whoever you deem as like, all right, you just want a community vote. The fans believe in you. Now go and face the greatest player in redemption history as determined by all of us. Um, absolutely. And, uh, oh, by the way, good luck. You're one of the candidates. So I'm going to the slaughter. Um, you're, you're a candidate for the players to vote on. Do you, um, to all of the threshing floor podcast fans, um, come August, our boy, John Hendricks is going to be one of the three names up for vote. Just so you know, to to be led to the slaughter. So you came and you you talked about this event, and you talked about the underdog, and now you're. <laughs> now I'm saying it. I will. Could be I will you. say. <laughs> I will say that's that's great, and and I'm I'm all for it. Whatever whatever people decide on. If not, I'll help you with the the sound and the commentary and all of that. But they're like this event. I didn't think like you told me a little bit about this, and I was like, all right, that's cool. And now as we talk about it, like, I'm not saying I, I feel any differently about Nationals, but as soon as Nationals over, like, I feel like I'm just going to shift gears and be hyped about this for the next, like, you know, six months. That's the point. I mean, I want us to all be excited. I want us to be, um, I want us to, I want us, I mean, I mean, back in the years where I was able to go to Nationals every single year i always waited for nationals to come around and i always wondered why can't we do it again why can't we do it twice a year and so i'm hoping that this is an opportunity that we can all do it twice a year um and i will say that i will for sure 
be at the classic championship. Well, we've heard that before. You got to, we got to find, we got to, we got to hope that next year breaks better because it's been, what is it? Three years that you've missed. This will be my, um, I hate to say it in a public forum, but this will be my third year in a row that I have unfortunately had to miss this year. Um, we, I made a valiant effort to make it to nationals, but I started a new job in, in February and I do not make enough PTO to adequately devote time to go to nationals like I would want to, and also go to the two family weddings that I am required to go to, um, in the fall. I have two weddings within a three week span. I get two weeks of vacation from my church, um, per calendar year, I get um, one week, or I get like very, very, very low PTO levels of building with my job, and it's just an unfortunate perfect storm. Especially, it's a shame considering Iowa is only five and a half hours away from Michigan, and unfortunately, that's where I am now. Yeah, that's that's unfortunately the part of like building up equity with a job and whatnot. You got to go through some of those, some of those early years where you got to, you know, earn the grace of being able to take a little extra time off. So definitely understand that I've been there before, but I do feel like nationals, like it was great last year. This year is going to be off the chain. I this mean, year is going to be great. And you're unfortunately not, not there. And it's just, you're you're an important part of the community. It would be nice to have you there. I, I get it. I, I know. I know. I'm especially like that's that's part of the reason why like I'm pushing a draw. I, I'm I'm pushing to host the Indiana State Tournament. I want to get Indiana off the ground, help out our good buddy Andy Fish with your turn. Um I wanna get I wanna I wanna I wanna make begin making the push for a potential nationals in Michigan um, as early as 2024. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm pushing towards building up a play group that can sustain a nationals. Um, because one thing that's important is that nationals doesn't really need to be in a location where there are not a, there's not a play group or a series of play groups nearby um, that are very committed and so I'm doing a lot of, I'm, I'm trying to break a lot of ground. I have done two demos in secular game stores in the past three weeks. Um, I am putting a lot of time into redemption right now, partially because I'm not going to be able to make nationals. I want to still give back to the game and to the community um, because I genuinely love redemption. And I want to see this game grow. And I want to see wonderful things happen because of this game. I want to see people come to know Jesus Christ and his wondrous love and his glory as a result of this hobby that I've had for all of my life. And so that's something that I'm putting a lot of time and effort into right now. And I mean, it, it, it is it is sad. I'm going to miss going this year, um, especially watching the coverage. But I I, I can... I can rest assured knowing that this is going to be an incredible year and that all of my friends are going to have a blast and that I'm going to see you all in February or March um, at this new event. And, um, and then I'm going to see you also at nationals next year um, because I can budget my year because no one's getting married next year. Um, at least I hope not. But uh, don't, don't now, jinx it now, this early, out, this far out. <laughs> Well, if, 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 if Jeremy gets married, he's not going to, 
he, he might decide to come to, to Michigan and get married <laughs> so that I can still go. <laughs> if Jeremy gets married next year, he's going to be speeding through the timeline from now to marriage. Exactly. That's an accelerated so, relationship. So I, I don't think I don't see that happening right now. He's, he's married to his chicken business. That's exactly the, that is the holdup on why I couldn't give you a date for today. Like that is the number one holdup. The second holdup is because church events do change from time to time and it's hard to project most of a year out. Um, so I think Chris doesn't mind the fact that we're going to sort of have a firm answer by November. I think that's the time frame we're looking at. But that chicken business, man, Jeremy had a game scheduled with somebody and someone and, and the guy he was supposed to play with texted me on Facebook. He's like, so your brother had a disaster at work and he can't play. And I go in, I, I look up what's going on. I'm like, yep, that's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, if you, if you're listening to this, I'm going to tell you nationals is worth every penny and all the time you can put into it. God blessed me and let me go for five years in a row from 2015 to 2019. Um, And I'm looking forward to the day that I get back. But I want everyone to know that you need to go this year. You need to go. You need to support um, the game. You need to, to, to shake Gabe's hand and tell him thanks for hosting. You did a great job. You need to go and you need to meet Rob Anderson. If you've never met Rob and you need to say thank you for creating this incredible game, because I can say I'm standing here or I'm sitting here now um, at 24 years old and I have played redemption since I was seven years old. And I can say that this game has been a vital part of my life. And I am thrilled to death that I get the opportunity to do things like come on podcasts and talk about this game that I've spent so much of my life playing. And so I just want to encourage everyone to go to nationals and to meet Rob and thank Gabe and then just get to see the direction that this game is going in with Israel's deliverance and everything that's going to come for in the next few years. Redemption has got a bright future ahead of it. And I, I, I am so happy for the direction this game is going. Absolutely. So I think that's a perfect segue here to uh, our closing. And with that, just want to mention, like you, you're talking about nationals and the importance of being there if you're able to do it and the fact that it's going to be worth every bit of investment. I really do think as well. But Remember, Nationals pre-registration is up, and you get the extra benefit if you do pre-register before Friday, July 15th of getting your first side event paid for. The Contender Deck side event has the prize support that was announced, but we are 37 days away, so make sure you pre-register, and you've got almost a month at this point still to register before the 15th of July for the extra benefit. We also have the ongoing unofficial tournaments which the success of unofficial tournaments you know we're hoping continues over and the mr classic invitational and the classic event that you guys are planning is as successful but the grassroots of unofficial tournaments right now are the lackey grand prix zoom invitational so make sure you're participating if you've signed up for those i want to thank you jay for coming on and sharing with us thanks for having me man i'm looking forward to seeing who these uh who these these guests that people come up with i'm hoping someone says chuck norris (laughs) also uh i guess you talk about wanting to start a play group 
up there and not to get uh, all soft on you, but when I when I first met you and Jeremy and whatnot and you guys showing me the game and helping me, you know, latch on and enjoy it as well, I'm glad to know that you're spreading those seeds where you're at now too because you, you, you guys were a big, big part of it sticking with me. So that's nice to nice to see you carrying that torch and running with it where you're at now. I tell you, it's been I've been working at doing that and planting those redemption seeds, man, for years. And I mean, it's it's going great up here. I mean, my play group up here is it's more vibrant than any play group that I've ever personally been a part of, um, because the Alabama play group really was just me and Jeremy up until you came along. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I've, I've really, I've been blessed. We've hosted, I mean, man, I'll tell you from, from the time I moved to Michigan to now I've played in, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five. I think I'll have played in six or seven tournaments from my move in day or my move in date to nationals of this year. I'll have played in like seven tournaments this year. That's awesome. So it's been a great, I, I, this has been my most active redemption year to date. So it's awesome. Yeah. But thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. This has been a blast. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining and thank you guys for listening as always. Peace. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the threshing Floor podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast here I want to thank Jay for coming on I want to thank him and Jeremy and all of those involved with trying to bring the Mr. Classic event or the Classic Invitational and all of that all of that that it entails just want to thank those guys for doing that and man am I excited for that so I hope you guys are as excited as I am for that event to happen after Nationals but first we got to get through Nationals we got to have all the fun that Nationals can provide us because man Like we told you, 37 days away. I am hyped. I hope you're hyped. I hope you're getting these last tournaments in before Nationals. Man, what a great time to be part of the Redemption community right now. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace.